You're listening to In Her Voice, a podcast brought to you by Women in Hollywood. I'm your host, Melissa Silverstein, and this podcast is dedicated to supporting and amplifying the voices of women who work in the global entertainment business. Thanks for joining us. Let's get started. Here we are welcoming Numa Perrier in her voice. She is the director of the upcoming The Perfect Find, which will be on Netflix starting June 23rd. Welcome, Numa. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. Congratulations on this movie. I got to say, I thought it was adorable. Oh, thank you. It was just a lovely watch. And so the first thing I want to do is if you could give us your log line for the film. Oh, <laughs> uh, girl makes bad decision. Girl bounces back. Girl makes more bad decisions. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, it's really, it's really a story of a woman putting herself back together again and then falling, falling in love in the most unexpected way that also includes a lot of messiness. A lot of messiness, but a lot yeah. of fun, a lot of fun too. So can you talk a little bit about your journey to being involved in this film? I had just come off of my first feature, Jezebel, which was, you know, micro budget indie that we made in 10 days. And I just come off of that. It, it landed really well. And so, I, you know, I got a few scripts in and The Perfect Find was one of them. It was the one that I related to the most. I had, you know, gone through a couple years prior, a big breakup and a big work upheaval <laughs> all at the same time and was trying to lay low, but also figure out like what my next, what the next piece of my career looked like and what the next piece of my love life would look like. And so I just really related to Jenna going through that, having to confront the decisions that she made along the way and, you know, having to just like reassess her whole thing. <laughs> I just really related to it. And yeah, the producers told me that Gabrielle Union was attached to star and produce. And of course that was very exciting. So I met with the team. I came with my ideas and they liked it. They liked me. They felt like I was the right one, you know, to move forward with it. And I really wanted to make, you know, a great rom-com, a great crowd pleaser movie. And yeah, that's how I got there. You know what she said about you? She said she knows how to shoot black women and black people with love and interest. And I love that about her. I loved her take. I loved her perspective. I love how she moves through the world in real life and on this set. She's intoxicating. And I don't know what we would have done if we didn't get her. Our project wouldn't look the way it did and does without Numa. She is the perfect find. Well, wow, that's very, very that's sweet. in the press <laughs> notes. So, but I mean, no, that's very sweet to say. That's a very detailed compliment. And I really appreciate it. And I, you know, I, I receive it. I think that we were both really in alignment with what we wanted to do. She wanted to do something that felt fresh for her yep. and her performance within this genre. And I wanted to to do something that could make us laugh and feel the feelings of falling in love. When I wanted to also show Gabrielle Union in the light that I was seeing her in as a woman in the world, you know, through this character. So we were both on the same page. And I think that that really got us off to the races. I've seen her in a bunch of things before. And I felt in this one, she just glowed. I 
don't mm-hmm. know what you know maybe it's like she's more comfortable with herself and as we age some of us become more comfortable with ourselves and can just radiate their calmness mm-hmm. about them but you know I was just like this girl's a movie star like she is she is a movie star and it's great to have her in a leading role that that shows all the different sides of what ambition looks like. You know, when you're an ambitious person, you're going to deal with failure. You're going to deal with falling on your face. You're going to have to, you know, maybe grovel here and there, you know, you're going to have to figure all of those things out. And I just think as a woman in the last years, she's opened up so much and given us so much about her personal life that she never owed us. She doesn't owe us any of those things, you know, but for her to want to have that translate to a performance, a performance that feels open and honest and supple and nimble and, you know, personal, that's where we really, that's where the two of us really, really connected. I think it's the natural progression. She's always been a movie star. She's always going to glow. She's gorgeous. But I think you get that extra, I don't know, you get that extra relatability that extra piece of wanting to be close to this person through this role yeah so I just want to back up a little to Jezebel so Jezebel got picked up by Array and that Mm -hmm. how is wound up on Netflix yes it's not on Netflix anymore so we got to figure that part out again so sad I'm like begging them to put it back on because you get a three-year run on Netflix and that three years went by so fast. So fast, <laughs> right? Know, I looked up and the movie wasn't there anymore. And I'm like, hey guys, it would be great if you just put it back on so people can watch The Perfect Find. Especially and now, yeah, totally. Yeah, because both films show so much of what I care about, my aesthetic, you know, and just these incredible performances that you don't want them to be lost. I'm like, pick it back. So if not Netflix, I guess it'll end up on another platform. Well, I hope so. I sadly and honestly say I I didn't see it. And I went to go watch it the other day and I was like, oh, no, I can't. So I I will look forward to watching it. Oh, thank you. I would love that. But, you know, it got picked up by Array. Those Array women and men over there I feel like have changed the world mm-hmm. um, and they have given so many people a platform like you. Yeah. Well, it was all huge and monumental <laughs> milestones for me. I'd known Ava for a number of years and when she made her very, very first film, yeah. I Will Follow, mm-hmm. when I was, you know, doing Black and Sexy TV, the early days of the YouTube channel and a micro budget streamer that I was behind. So we knew of each other's work. You know, we were like swimming through the same filmmaker waters, but it took me a while to be able to kind of break away from all of the episodic work that I was doing and actually take the time to make my own feature film, which I felt would be my introduction to the industry. And so when I did that, I reached out to her after I had shot the film already, I was still raising money and I reached out to her and I was like, here's my GoFundMe. (laughs) And she was just, you know, blown away by the fact that I had gone and made this film. Yeah, She had seen all the other stuff I was doing. And she was like, you know, please keep in touch with me about it. And I honestly never thought Array would pick up a film like mine. You know, Jezebel, it's about a sex worker. It's my personal story. I had never seen anything on the platform that, you know, delved into those types of topics. But 
Ava and her company, it's really about giving that platform to women to the films that we're making that would kind of get lost in the sauce otherwise. And for them to pick it up and, you know, they told me they were going to put their black woman elbow grease behind the film. And they did. I mean, they did everything to get that film out in the world, including it being platformed on Netflix for three years, which led me to the perfect find, you know, it was, you know, making that film and people knowing, oh, she's a, she's actually a filmmaker. She's an artist. This is a person who has a voice. Let's see if she wants to do something else. That wouldn't have happened if I didn't make Jezebel, but it also wouldn't have happened if it didn't, you know, get distributed in the way that it did. So, um, you know, always changing. Game changing, yeah. world changing. So you acted in Jezebel, I'm correct? You wrote that, you directed it. This one you just directed. Do you have a preference of, of which job you like? No, I don't have a preference. <laughs> I'm like Ben Affleck. <laughs> I'm, I'm like Ben Affleck. You know, I love acting. I'm always going to act. And I love directing. And, you know, it, it's two sister passions for me that I'll always do both. I get very different highs out of them. Mm-hmm. When you're acting, you get a certain sense of freedom and you get to just like delve into a life that isn't yours, but you get to make it yours and you get to bring yourself into it. And I love that. And then as a director, it makes me really great at working with actors, but the high I get off of directing is more like I get to have my hands in every single pot And I love all the pots. I love the editing pot. I love the production design. I love the costume design. I love working with the actors. I love working with the script. You get to be the maestro (laughs) of everything. And I love that so much too. So I I couldn't choose if I wanted to. I'll always do both. Great. So talk about any challenges that you had making this film. Oh, we had all the challenges, right? (laughs) We're making a film during the pandemic. Like, I feel like every filmmaker that came through that, we should get like a special badge. You should. <laughs> you know, not that we were like saving the planet in any way. We we weren't, but we went through a specific type of war. So, you know, the first challenges are just the delays in making the film. So we're supposed to make it that first summer and we couldn't. So the um, summer of 2020? Summer of 2020 is when we were supposed to film. So we didn't film to the summer of 2021. Right. And then we had some COVID issues. We had to come back and finish filming six months later. So it's just the endurance of, you know, getting that film across the finish line, getting it out into the world. You have to have so much endurance, so much control of your craft every step of the way because you know, you're, you're trying to maintain momentum where there isn't any Mm -hmm. because of the circumstances. So I think that was the biggest challenge was just not losing faith and not losing sight of what I wanted the film to be in the end, working with executives, working with the many producers we had to get the film just in the right place and not losing your mind (laughs) while you're going through all of it. What is it like psychologically to go from a GoFundMe film where you're scraping through every dollar to being on a film like this where I would imagine you didn't have to raise any money? Okay, well, we didn't have to raise any money, but there's always a money issue, right? So, you know, every day our line producer would come into my office or one of the producers would come into my office during prep and they're like, we have to cut a day out. 
we have to find a way to like get rid of a day or two days or three, you know, mm-hmm. we ended up getting rid of three days off of our schedule. And, you know, those are, those are big fires that you have to put out. You always need more money. You always want something more. And because I wanted so much for this film, I really wanted to embrace Black opulence. And I really wanted New York City to be a real character in the film. I didn't want to cut corners and, you know, film it in Canada or film it in Atlanta. It's like, it has to be New York and we have to have these landmarks in the film. And, you know, so every day is a battle, every, you know, it's so it's really no different than making it indie. And I will say this every single day. It's no different than making an indie feature, making a studio feature. You've got the same money problems. So it's just more zeros on the end. You have to have the same resourcefulness. You have to be able to problem solve the same way while being the creative leader of this whole thing and maintaining that trust with the studio. Amazing answer. So you talked about Black opulence, and I wanted to talk about the way that you pay respect in the film to the African-American film canon. And can you just Mm -hmm. talk a little bit about that? Because I just love that. I learned things, but I just loved it. (laughs) Me too. I learned things too. And, and, you know, vintage Black glamour, like that's my whole era. I feel like, like I was like born to be in that era. So when I read those tidbits in the script about how Jenna was in love with Nina Mae McKinney, who I had first discovered through the script Mm -hmm. as well, you know, I, I thought I knew my stuff, but I had more to learn. And, and I love that there's that sense of discovery in the film now that you can watch that. And that's why it was so important for me to have the clip of the film in there. Mm-hmm. And we had to fight for that. We had to fight to get that. But it's in there and it's like, oh, no, this is this is a real film that existed. And this was like the number one movie <laughs> in 1926. You know, this was a big deal. And this woman, Nina Mae McKinney, and all of the filmmakers involved with that were all standing on their shoulders. So for that to be part of the story, and then to also be part of, you know, my personal preferences just made it feel like, oh, I definitely need to be directing this movie because I love these things and I want to contribute to the canon in that way. Yeah. And then, you know, we got to have a lot of fun with that too. And just to have that glamour and romance in the film on top of the love story is something I really like. It's really satisfying. Yeah. I mean, we get stuck in the canon of like, you know, the white male auteurs and Mm -hmm. there's just so much more we should be learning about. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, we can expand the horizon. I mean, there's so much. Sure. Yeah. So so what is your hopes that people take away from the film? Well, mostly I really want them to have a a good time. I I want them to believe in falling in love again, even if it doesn't work out or it's, you know, maybe a crazy experience, but just to, you know, just go for it, even if it comes to you in an unexpected way. Mm -hmm. As an African-American creative, do you see, do you think do you notice that thing? Are they improving for women of color in Hollywood? What are your oh thoughts? Gosh, on you know, it's always it's always a back and forth. It's a tug of war. That's what I'm. That's what I'm looking for. It's a it's a tug of war, right? You know, it's it's a yes and no. It, it's not improving. It is improving at the same time. I have really great black women filmmaker friends who are in this with me we're finding a way to make our movies no matter what. And 
that's all we can really do is just keep pushing and finding our ways, finding our allies and getting our movies made no matter what. I saw that you're doing something on Audre Lorde. Yes, it's in development. <laughs> it's, it's that's crawling. It's crawling. But that originally was a one woman stage show. Mm. And I pivoted to a film because this was during COVID as well. The first year I was like, oh, there's not going to be any theater productions. So I'm not going to do this one woman show, but I can use this time to start developing the film aspect of it. And so I'm in conversations with her state about that, about, you know, what we can do going forward. But yes, I'm excited to play Audre Lord, and that project will most likely have a team of directors. It'll be vignettes. Ah, you could bring it back as a show now that, you know, people are going back to the theater. I live in the Berkshires where there's summer stock here. One woman show would be fantastic. Yeah. Well, now that theater is back, <laughs> I'm like, oh, you know what? I still do want to do the one woman show. I so actually I'm think that would be really cool. Yeah. Cause then you can always do the film, yep. but I really want to put that on stage. Yep. Uh, so yeah, yeah. That, that's the plan. <laughs> so any parting words you want to share with people about the film or anything else? Oh gosh. Well, it's, you know, it's coming out in just in hours within 12 hours, it will drop. So <laughs> watch and share, enjoy. I'm really happy that I got the opportunity to make this movie with this cast and this crew. It's amazing cast. Amazing crew. I mean, well, I didn't make the crew, of course, but it seemed like amazing <laughs> since it's a beautiful yeah. movie. I wish you all the best. And thank you for speaking and sharing your vision. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love for you to share with a friend or better yet, follow us on Spotify and give us five stars or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Spreading the word really helps us reach as many people as possible. You can also subscribe to the Substack for the Women in Hollywood weekly newsletter of all content buying about women that is opening and streaming. You can sign up directly at womenandhollywood.com. In Her Voice is produced by Leonie Marsh. This is a Women in Hollywood Productions podcast. I'm Melissa Silverstein. Until next time, goodbye.